This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. This is Not Another Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom, the senior pastor at North Glencoe Baptist Church and your host. And I'm here today with... Hey, everybody. My name is Donna, and I am the women's and children's minister here at North Glencoe. And I'm Matt, and I am the student pastor here at North Glencoe. Wow. So uh, today we're going to, we're, we are taking those Old Testament flannel graph stories, and we're, we're telling them and going into detail, and we're calling this uh, Bible Stories for Adults. Um, and we actually have a flannel graph we need to bring in for Tom when he's telling this. Yes. Yes, he would love to have a demonstration. I, I do love the flannel graph. And I just recently found out that Jehovah's Witness, when they come in your home, when you, you go to the second tier, they come in your home, they bring a flannel graph. I'm sold. I'm, I, I'm ready to convert. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'll at least let them inside. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not going to ruin what they prepared. What about when they start with Jesus ascending or any of those stories? Do you, you're going to correct them I, with the flannel graph? Oh, absolutely. Gonna, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to bust out my own flannel graph. I was like, ah, I got it. Hold on. Just hold uh, your horses a second. I don't know if this is Jesus <laughs> or Joseph, but let's, let's walk through this. Um, yeah, so I, uh, when Emily was a little, very little, my, my oldest daughter is now in her 20s. Uh, she desperately wanted to convert to Catholicism because we lived in Coleman, and the she Catholic Church candles. had an unbelievable playground behind the church. Oh. <laughs> and we would drive by, and she goes, let's start going to church there. And I'm like, well, baby, you know, because this is your first child. You're like, let's talk through the theology. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. Have you seen that slide? Have you seen so the stinking monkey bars? Was it child bars? three or child four where you just went, no? Yeah, I would say three. It was Probably where I was just three, like, like, no. Shut up in the back, or I would just turn the veggie tail up louder. <laughs> turn, turn the video. Up. Now, this is, I think, this is Jehovah's Witness. We were like, it was this. My dad, in a really dramatic kind of issue, my dad had lost his job uh, after after being to church. Those kind of things happen, and he'd lost his job, and it was, you know, it was these it, it, sides of different. Before stories, you continue, you know, things. we're recording. Yeah, this, yeah right. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. I mean, he, it was. It's not a surprise he didn't lost his job. Danger, like it's, it's yeah. it, it was what it was. But uh, it was, you know, there was some emotions involved and all those things. Of and course, the interim pastor who was there, or had, was there at the, at the church uh, for a time just a few months before that had come over to the house. And there was a couple other of our friends there who were like, you know, you're going to be okay. Everything will be fine. We'll be. And like, so our, part, our driveway, which I have a pretty big driveway, it's, it's probably got seven, eight, nine cars in it. And uh, we're all, you know, everybody's you know, people bring food and you talk and you hang out and, and all those things. Some people just want to know how things went down and what happened, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So and what this, did so and so say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, and but what happened was, it, I don't really, I don't really know what they thought. Why the why Jehovah's Witness thought like this was the time to pull up and see, <laughs> but they pulled my driveway and like they can barely pull into my driveway because there's so many cars parked in it, and they pull in. And Look, when you're earning your way and you see an audience of seven, eight, nine cars, well, I'm going to get like, lots of checks. I'm fixing checks in my box. I'm going to heaven straight on this Three or four people come out of this, like, Ford Flex lunchbox car and pastor, which it was it was Vince Whittington. Oh, Vince, wow. Vince comes. He says, I, I got this. He, he, goes, <laughs> he goes out. And uh, when he came back, I said, Vince, what did you say? He goes, well, there's not much to say in this circumstance. I just looked at it. He said, look, look, not today. Not, oh, wow. Just, he said, just slowly, he said, Come back any other day, 
just not today. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Look, but if you That's got some high really emotions funny. running here, you could have had some major entertainment. Yeah, that, that day, yeah, that day, being, let's talk. That, that day being mad at a particular church or a particular pastor or whatever, I might have converted right then and there. <laughs> they <laughs> might have just, they might have smelt it in the air. So Vince but may have been doing a very good. He thing might have, but it was so funny. He but walked, I could see high he, entertainment value walked, off of everybody being did. emotionally up high. They're all like, and they're and and you can tell like they're trying to be really persistent. It's like, oh, we'll we'll it'll just be quick. And Vince like, no, 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 you just understand just not today gotcha. <laughs> and it was really funny but so, they didn't have their flannel graph so well, like it, it, well okay. it, you got to go to tier two because you know that you've got the guys that troll that just go door to door okay so then you get how long is that though graphs. isn't okay. that like a two-year commitment that they have to do yeah i don't know uh, oh, I, I was going to say my if you only get like a group of that many people was, do you cut months off of the two-year commitment <laughs> you I, know? Yeah, I don't know I don't, my, my only direct experience with jove's witness was I was pastoring a, a small church in a community in, in North Carolina, and it was very much so uh, old school, like, here are the lines that are drawn. You don't invite anybody to your church outside of these lines. That was your field that you were allowed to your evangelize them. Okay. Um, and so I, I kind of felt like I was the bishop of that community. And oh, my gosh. So Joe's Witness come and knock on my door at the parsonage across the street from the church and said, uh, hey, we're here to tell you about Jehovah. And so I refrained from from correcting their Hebrew, that that's not, not a word. Um, but I did say, okay, here's the deal. I'm the pastor of the church across the street. You're not allowed to, to evangelize inside of my, my field. And they're very confused, and they're like, well, we're going to the next house. I'm like, well, I'm going with you. And I literally drove behind them, and when they would go up to the door, I would be standing just off scene, and uh, people would... would no, no, not you, Tom. No, no so They would knock on the door. People would come to the door. Yes, can I help you? And the kids were here from, from uh, the Church of Jehovah. And I'm and like, and I'm from Rachel Chapel Baptist Church. <laughs> These are cults. And so I'm here to answer any questions you may have to know what the Bible says. And I followed them around. They went to maybe six houses, and then they They punted. lasted through six before you That's, got I was, like, I was like, I'd have got through number two and said, I've been like, hey, right, leaving us is, alone. Yeah, this is not it. <laughs> well, the one that actually broke them was this: these people came to the door, and they same scenario plays out, and they look at me, and they're like, so who's he? And I'm like, hey, I'm Pastor Tom. I'm from Ransel Chapel Baptist Church. Um, and they're like, oh, we, we used to go there. We heard that they'd got a new pastor. And I'm like, and so we start talking over the Jehovah's Witness. They're like, well, we're coming Sunday. We're going to see you Sunday. And, and they were like, all right, we're done. We're out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I laugh because it's funny. I don't laugh because I'm not surprised at but, all. But, okay, so through the six houses up to you get the, those first five, you know, did you get to answer any questions or have a chance to refute anything? Was uh, everything this- from – I got a feeling with him standing right there looming behind them, there wasn't um, – they, they, they couldn't go through their cue cards very well. No. <laughs> really struggled. We would either get the door closed my straight away. Because I'm laughing so <laughs> But I'm standing there with my Roman's road track ready. I mean, we're <laughs> – Hey, if these guys strike out, I'm on deck. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like that last house. It's like you went on, like you, you, you try to set up your buddy with a friend of yours on a date or whatever, and then all of a sudden she really likes you a lot more than she likes him. <laughs> kind of thing. That's just kind of what it feels like. You all of a sudden third, you're all of a sudden third wheeling, and then the girl starts dating you instead of the person she was originally trying to date. Oh, okay. Speaking of, and when I met Ben, no. <laughs> so. 
So we yeah, are, topic for today. we are working our way through the book of Genesis. What an <laughs> intro. <laughs> yeah. Everybody listening is like going to the I feel like there should of. be a commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you know how TV shows will start out and they've like got the hook and then. Can we use the sound from Cliffhanger Guy? Can we, as we go, <laughs> and we hit a good play? We could use a PBS guy who says, Cliffhanger. Next time. All right. So, so we've been going through the book of Genesis. We last week went through the flood. Now you'll, it kind of goes flood. Uh, our creation story, some people were born, people died. The, the, uh, in Hebrew, that's called the toles. The, these are the generations of. So you have fl- uh, creation, toles, flood, toles, Abram. It's clear that the, that the book of Genesis is driving to Abram. That's what his point is. In fact, um, historically in the church, there's been this whole argument, and sometimes it's it's paint, painted as young earth, old earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's painted as uh, literal translation of the six days, and then some people call, call it the, the gap theory, or you'll have a, um epic time frame kind of thing. And so there's different ways to look at, at creation. And in the 90s, early 2000s, a, a very prominent Hebrew scholar, uh, named Dr. Selhammer came along, and, and he wrote a book called Genesis Unbound. Most theologians today in that whole Young Earth, Old Earth debate will back up and say, uh, everybody from Piper, uh, well, the general thing is I kind of lean on the Selhammer position. And Selhammer's position is generally the text doesn't tell us. That's not why Genesis is written. Any other hermeneutic, we ask the question, so what's the purpose of this book? You can't read Genesis. If you sit down uh, and read the book of Genesis from chapter to chapter, it's very clear that authorial intent is not to tell us the history of humanity, but to show us how God prepared creation for the call of his people. And so it's the fact that we can't start from Okay, there's nothing. So we get the creation story. We get the flood story. We get those kind of beginning things. But they're really short. I mean, you've got more than half of human history summed up in 10 chapters. And then we got, and then this guy named Abram came along. Mm -hmm. And so clearly from chapter 12, when Abram is introduced, all the way to chapter 40, we're dealing with one guy. So the purpose of the book isn't to tell us, okay, so how did God make make the universe? Well, and it's never, all throughout the rest of Scripture, we'll help back that up because often you see the promises of Abraham and and your father Abraham and all of those things mentioned, especially the Old Testament, when how creation was in detail was done is not, that's not the focal point of anything else anywhere else in Scripture. Not saying it's any... It's it's to be looked at in a in a in a minimal mindset. I think I don't think that's the point. But other parts of Scripture goes to show that those last what twenty eight chapters or so is is the focal point of what that's what that's headed toward of what the, almost the old most of the Old Testament all of that is built off of those twenty eight chapters and what comes next after that. And like you said, the first part is super is kind of like okay, this is this is kind of what happened and this is what it's leading us to. I can't tell you how many times, like, as I grew up, I, I was exposed first and foremost to young earth. Um, and, and then as I got older and, and got saved, I was curious and started looking at some of the other viewpoints of creation and those early stories in the Bible. And 
I, I, I heard uh, Young Earth, and then I heard Old Earth, and then you go on and you hear another theory, which has epics of time. Not Flatter. Flatter is a different group. <laughs> a different, different group. I just wanted to say Flatter. And then I read another guy that I really respected for his walk with Christ and his intelligence, and he's, you know, he's taught at Oxford and he's done all these kind of things and he's just a little old man with an Irish accent and he's great but he wrote a little book and it talked about maybe there were epochs of time between these days of creation and all of a sudden as I'm studying and learning all this I'm thinking oh yeah we don't really know yeah I mean as far yeah. back as and, and none of this is new as far back as Augustine Augustine was kind of a day age kind mm-hmm, of guy mm-hmm. and so so it's really normal for Christians to, to look at this and say uh, wow, we don't know. In, in fact, we had uh, Hugh Ross, Dr. Ross, yes. spoke at this church, um, and I had some local pastors who were young earth creation guys that were very upset because they mistook a age epoch kind of view as, well, they don't believe the Bible because the Bible says it, evening and, and morning was the first day. A, you're right. They start throwing words like, you t- I take the Bible literally and you don't kind of thing, and that right. argument starts. Yeah. And, and that's not at all... the the truth and um i actually went to a, a school local here and kind of stated the position uh, in defense of the church having different views and saying um that it, you can believe the text and believe god literally is saying what it, what he says and not walk away knowing exactly how the earth was built because that's not the point of the book it's just like i can't use the book of Psalms as a science book because those are poetically done. Um, and, and the example that, that I, I usually give is David says, as the sun rises, well, scientifically, we know that the sun's not rising. The earth is moving around the sun. Mm-hmm. But don't be an idiot. That, we know <laughs> what that means, right. and we we regularly use that kind of language to say things. Even we say, knowing we that say the earth su- is we, Yeah, we say sunrise almost every day. We, mm-hmm. It's not... You know, Earth turn time. Like nobody said. Like you don't. Nobody says that. <laughs> That's right. right. So just as the Earth had rotated. 180 degrees past its. It, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, not how hey, we call uh, sunrise. Like, yeah, that sounds. I mean, that's just how. That's what we say. Yeah. And so, what we're saying is, is that what Genesis does tell us was that a, everything that is, God made it. Yes, absolutely. Out of nothing, ex annihilio, as as the Latin says. So, out of nothing, God made everything that is. We know that. We know that after God made everything and put man in a perfect environment. Man fell. Mm-hmm. We believe, and the text, I, I don't think, gives us any other options, of a literal Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. No matter how God brought us to that point, there's a dude named Adam that God made out of dirt and a chick named Eve that God made out of Adam's bone. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say the Hebrew word for rib, that's in, in fact, in, in most modern translations, I think even the King James doesn't translate it as rib. Don't know where we got rib. Uh, the Hebrew word is just bone. So we don't know what bone. Um, Phalange, just just the pointer finger. That's my. That's what I'm going to go with. God put him to sleep, took that bone out, and put it in Eve. Phalange, uh, and that's how. And God, so God made Adam and Eve. So we know that. We know that <coughs> after being kicked out of the garden, man was still pretty much sitting in the catbird seat. There wasn't a lot of sin. Hey, you couldn't say that my neighbor had hosed it up. You couldn't say that. Uh, you know, that's the church I used to go to. It, it was just two people. <laughs> they had two kids, and immediately humanity showed how badly right, we are, right, are yeah. situated. 
Over time, man hosed it up to the point that the whole earth was filled with violence and every thought of humanity was on evil. And fairly quickly. Fairly quickly. And you know what? It doesn't shock us at all to realize that. Um, all you got to do is go downtown anywhere where you live and you'll see evil. You can look in your own heart and see that's that that's true. You can true. sit at home on your back porch by yourself and, that's find, right, it. Yeah. and find evil. So then we have those... So-and-so had this kid who had this kid who had this kid, and these are the generations of. And then immediately we find ourselves. Now, I, um, I took Hebrew under Dr. Selhammer at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and um, he would say Genesis 1 through 11 is the introduction. The story starts with Genesis 12:1, which says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who honors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That that is God's beginning of the redemption story. Yeah. That Savior is coming. Something is coming. Now, we got a hint of that in Adam and Eve, but it was really broad. Okay, the serpent's going to bite your heel he your your seed seal he's going to crush their head they clearly thought that that was going to be their child we see that in the naming we see that that when seth is born they're like all right so these two hosted up or one of these two hosted up so we got seth now he's going to be the the one and so which again shows us that god rarely does things the way we expect um so we get to abram and he says now abram's an old man when this happens and sometimes we forget, like I, I, last Sunday I was talking about uh, the, the disciples' doubt and pointed out that we read Bible stories and we know the rest of the story. And so when we read about a 90-year-old saying that she's pregnant, we go, yeah, she's going to have Yeah, she's going to have a baby. She, she's going to yeah. have a baby. But if your good. Meemaw came up to you and said she was knocked up, you would go, uh, yeah, we're taking Granny to the home. <laughs> Granny, we're making you an appointment. <laughs> yes, we're going to go see a neurologist, and that's okay. Now, eat your pudding. Yes. <laughs> so, don't miss how shocking this is that Abram is a fairly wealthy man, and God says to do something which is un not only unusual, unheard of, because... Your wealth is determined by two things. One, the land that you own, and God's telling Abram, leave all that. Walk away from your banking accounts. Walk away from everything that you know and the critters that you have. And critters typically don't survive movement mm -hmm. very your well. Food, your food changes. Your relationship cha relationships change. Your resources change. Now, I will, I will never forget, uh, I was living in Turkey, and uh, there was a huge earthquake in a city called Van, which is out um, in the Kurdish part of Turkey, in the southwestern part of the country. Uh, I, and I was uh, working with the IMB at the time, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. They worked very closely with Samaritan's Purse, and Samaritan's Purse needed someone to be on, boots on the ground quickly. And since I was... Uh, you know, 200 miles away as opposed to 6,000 miles away, I was selected to go to Vaughn, see what the deal is. And so uh, I show up in this place. It's been devastated with, with an earthquake, but also the people that live there are Kurdish, and um, they live in 
uh, a very nomadic lifestyle. And so most of the Kurds uh, don't live in homes. They live in yurts, um, which is a fancy way for, for a tent. Now, when I hear that somebody's living in a tent down by the river, I'm thinking like a canvas tent. Uh, are, are not even canvas, the, 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 the nylon tents like you get at Walmart yeah. that's like 35 bucks. It's got those poles that will never fit together. The yeah, SNL the, the yeah. poles. Every, yeah. every, right. Every, every so, yeah, the, pole, the little nylon spongy thing in the middle breaks your hose. The tent's never going to work right Ever. again. Yeah. Um, you, the, the floor gets damp. It's going to uh, last about two trips. You can't it. stand up all the way. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I can't. Yeah, you're telling you're telling me. Yes, yeah. yes. There, there's everybody. Yeah, Donna's <laughs> can stand up all the way. Donna's Donna's having a great time, I and I've got back problems. <laughs> well, and even just taking the youth on camping trips before, and I, Donna, I don't mean to to pick on you particularly, but <laughs> Lucas loves to talk all night long. Really, shocker. <laughs> and so once once he discovers that anything that he says can be heard in all the other tents, <laughs> that even though there's something separating you. He, he's, he really wants to be the class clown. Yes, he He'll does. start saying things and doing things until Eli says, shut up. <laughs> and, and so 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 when I hear tent, I think thin walls. That they, These Kurds are living in tents that are nicer than my house. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they have, it's, it's thick walls. It's almost like. I'm picturing of, fur lined. Would it be like, is well, it's furs almost like or a, is it just rugs? It's like, a, it's like the, the texture and feel of a, um. Persian rug, okay. but on the walls. Okay. And they do have rugs on the ground. Right, even though it's a right. dirt ground. It's been swept and mm-hmm. made flat, and mm-hmm. these rugs are on there. When, um, they're heated. They have, um, like, coal stoves or wood-burning stoves. They have – there's uh, – Turks and, and Kurds drink all the tea, black tea, the chai, uh, on earth. And so they're constantly keeping – in fact, tea has about a tenth of the caffeine of coffee – and I remember the first night that I spent inside of a yurt, I laid down to go to sleep that night, and my pupils were bouncing in my eyes because I had drank so much chai that day. Because every time you would drink, finish the little cup, they'd refill it. Um, <laughs> th- there's divisions so that there's uh, different families are in different tents, and there's like little things hanging for so like the the ladies are separated so there's some privacy, some privacy. Uh-huh. and there's uh an area where food is cooked and you can hear it i mean obviously you're in a tent but it i mean it was like being in a house o- other than the i mean you could stand up all the way one room house yeah it's like a one room house which is where, where the way everybody li- live right so when when he's moving around in a tent don't think in your mind you, you know a uh a tent from walmart these were nicer tents but still He's leaving everything he knows. Mm-hmm. He's walking or riding a camel across the earth as far as they're concerned. And do I not remember that the culture that he came from would would have been an established, settled culture? Yes. That the nomadic lifestyle was something new? Well, no. Well, it would have well, been. I mean, he would have been familiar with it. He would have been familiar with it. Just, but just, just not like it. in Turkey, there were the people who live a nomadic lifestyle. You kind of look down your nose at them. They they haven't settled. Ah, uh, okay. And so, but he went from the settled. And he not only did go from the settled. There's an indication that he was in a position of authority in her. His dad was well known in the city, mm-hmm. um, and he's walking away from all of that. So, it, it, him having this vision of God. Uh, and everybody has gods, and so his God saying, get up and move, everybody would have thought, well, Abram lost his mind. 
And so Abram having the faith to obey God and trust that God's going to take care of me as I put everything on the line, is it's crazy. And everybody in Ur must have thought he's crazy. Mm-hmm. And he takes his old dad with him. He takes his wife. He's he Again, he's established. He's a leader in the community. He walks away from all of that. Um, the text goes on to say, and Abram went as the Lord had told him. And so Lot went with him. Abram was 75 when he left Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they gathered, and off they go. And so they go to a land they didn't know. They go amongst a people group that they didn't know. Now they're strangers. They end up uh, in Canaan. They end up in Egypt. Um, Abram proves that he's not a perfect man. I love how the Bible, and this is a great apologetic to the Bible, if this was truly propaganda to sell me on Abram, it wouldn't have the story that he lied through his teeth about his wife. More than once. Yes. Yes. So Abram gets to Egypt. Um, it, It says, and there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to stay there, and the famine was so severe when he... When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Look, I know that you're a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they'll say, This is his wife, and then they'll kill me, but let you live. So tell them that you're my sister. So there's a lot of culture at play here, um, but he essentially, without going into all the details, he doesn't trust God here. He, he figures he's got to hook God up, which he does later, um, and he lies through his teeth. He and this shows us that ultimately um, all sin is a lack of trust in God. It's a lack of faith that God can do what he said he would do. Adultery is saying, God, the wife that you provided for me isn't good enough. She's not able to meet my needs, so I'm going to do what I want to do. Lying is saying, God, you can't take care of the circumstances, so i got to ha- handle it. Mm. It's, it's mm. in that. In that is, is that's going to be rooted in pride. And I've heard, I heard a pastor say one time that pride is a functioning atheism. And what it means about that is, like, just like you said, God can't do this. I, I, I need to step in, and I need, I need to make sure that, I can, that this works out how I need it to. That God doesn't know, God doesn't know exactly how I need this to happen, so I need to, I need to step in and fill that gap for him. You know, I, I, just, I just need to fill, the, fill in the spaces that he's missing right now. Those kind of things. Like it's a, it's a while we, don't, we would never, oh, gosh, I would never, I, functioning atheism, that's a big, scary thing. But when we think about it, it is it's saying that God can't do what I feel like I can do a better job of doing whether in, in whatever in whatever that is, if you know, God, you can't, God, I'm not making enough money, so I'll go. I gotta steal. I gotta do what I gotta do, or, or, or whatever, whatever that looks like in, in that scenario. It's a functioning atheism. It's a fun, it's a it's a, a a real life action of me saying, I know better than God does, mm-hmm. and that's and, and all and all all sin, all of, which is rooted in pride. All of those things is is that. And when he said, when I heard a pastor say that, I was like, wow, like that. Because you hear sin, and and, and and I don't know, like in, that really sort of in nails my, it in down, my, in, it? My, yeah. in my church kid kind of head, you think sin is like, oh, okay, well, you know, you know, sin, yeah, sin's bad, you know, whatever. Sin's bad. It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. sin's not great, you know, that kind of thing. But when I hear that it's a functioning atheism on my part, you're like, oh, crap, like that. Well, and that's why Paul says in Romans 14 that that sin is anything that's not from faith is sin, mm-hmm. because when we step outside of our trust in God, when we and, and I've heard 
probably 20 different sermons that um, Christians today are sexually agnostic, or Christians today are financially agnostic, that Christians today are, and just almost insert any area of our lives, it's easy to go through life and play lip service to God and wear the t-shirt, but when it comes down to it, is your faith reflected in your bank account, or is your faith reflected in the way that you rear your children or that you treat your wife or that you is faith working out in your life day to day to day because if it isn't it isn't faith mm-hmm. you're playing a game and so abram had enough faith that he was absolutely willing to walk away from everything that he knew but then the story the very next story is he didn't have enough faith to walk into Egypt and trust that God could take care of him, which shows what Martin Luther said was the human heart is an idol factory. We can't say, okay, I made this decision on, you know, I I got saved on March 23rd, 1984, and so I'm good because that's not reality. Reality is, is that I've got to get up today and take up my cross and say, today, I've got to die to myself. Today, I've got to trust that God's going to provide for me financially, that God's going to provide for my health. I've got to today. And oftentimes, God brings us to points of crisis where we recognize that, hey, wait, now I can't take care of this. Oh, yeah. There's something with my health. There's something with my finances. There's, you know, my, my kid's gone south, and I, I suddenly realize that I can't control them, my my my, me and my wife are in an argument, whatever, whatever. But we have to recognize that the fact that we think that we control things is an illusion. On, uh, or, you know, on a Monday, I did well. I, I did what I was supposed to. I feel like I was obedient in my walk. I, I did, you know, I forgave somebody that was something really hard or I gave something generously, sacrificially or whatever it is. And on Tuesday, when I wake up, I have to start with Christ all over again because Absolutely. my heart is going to just automatically, and I find myself jumping back and forth. And no sooner than I do something, a, a thought or a, a, an action of some kind that is sinful and God is there convicting. In that moment, he's like, just because you did it yesterday, I'm present today too. And that constant battle within us as we walk it out. I mean, Abraham is... He's just an example of that for us. And so that's a fearful thing, as we see in Abraham, that we should go through life making sure that we're dying to ourselves. But it's also a thing of joy in that if today I don't do it right, right. I hose it up. And today I, I, you know, kick the dog, yell at the kids. Um, I mess it up ridiculously. Mercies renew. And, and poetically, it's renew, God's mercies renew every morning, but God's re- mercies renew whenever we'll return back to him. So if the enemy is whispering in your ear and saying, well, you know what, you've already hosed it up, so just hose it up some more, well, that's a lie. Yeah. And so God's grace is always there hunting you down. Uh, and Abram sees that because he he completely messes up the situation here if it— God had already told Abram, from your line, my king is coming. And so Pharaoh taking Sarah home with him, God protected her because it was God's plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he also in that shows Abram, I don't need your help at all. I can protect what I said I was going to do. And so your silly little pretend game that you thought you were doing, is not going to, and Abram doesn't learn the lesson. And, you know, I would love to look at Abram's life and go, what an idiot. 
<laughs> yeah. But so uh, Abram and Lot's uh, Lot is is who Abram keep pushes pushing God to just accept Lot. Which don't we all kind of do that? We we God has some plan for us, and we get tired of the seasons of preparation. We get tired of of what God, the way that God's doing, as we said. There's not an emotional high on those days. Yeah, it's, it's just, I'm plodding along, doing what I'm supposed to do. So, God, I, I'm going to come up with a different plan. Yeah. And and I all I really need you to do is, is uh, I'm going to stick this Jesus fish on my plan, and we're going to call it your plan. Hey, you cut the check, and I'll do everything else. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just yeah. Yeah. You, you cut the check, and I'll fill in the rest of the blanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, God. You can go help those people who yeah, need exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, and it's, it's such a place of pride in our heart when we realize that we are living that out or walking it out or behaving that way as we go day to day. And so um, th- there's more to the story but the uh, with Abram and Melchizedek, and I'm just going to be straight up and honest with you, nobody understands Melchizedek. Um, but it's so cool. It's such it a is, cool story. It, and when Paul brings it, or whoever wrote Hebrews brings it back into Hebrews full circle, it, it gets crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the most frustrating verses in the Bible is after talking about Melchizedek, the author of Hebrews says, I wish we could go into the deep stuff, but you guys can't handle the meat of the <laughs> word. Yeah. I'm like, are you wait, kidding me? Wait, we're, wait, like, <laughs> we're four verses after Melchizedek, and you're going to say that we're we're done dealing with the elemental things. Yes. Um, so God reinforces his. He goes to Abram and has a a he had the covenant back in twelve. That's the first statement of the covenant, and then he in chapter fifteen he brings Abram to a point of crisis where he. He makes the sacrifice, he cuts it in half, and Abram goes d- down the middle. And this brings me up to a point that I was thinking about. We recently, Donna and I recently met with a child, um, and uh, a younger child who has, is, has made a profession of faith and wants to be baptized. And the parent said to me, I- I'm hesitant to, to baptize this child because in my personal life, I made a decision for Christ when I was six, seven, or eight, and then when I was 16 or 17, uh, I had a crisis of faith, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know which time I really got saved. And I said to the parent, um, okay, so let's let's break that that statement down. When did you get saved? And I said, so let, if we're just strictly Bible here, let's get crazy. Uh, first of all, you were saved uh, when God declared that you were saved before the foundations of the of world. The earth. Mm-hmm. So. Before you were born, before any humans were made, mm-hmm. before there was any photons made, you, God decided um, God that, knew you. that he, you were going to get saved. Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter 1. You were saved at the cross. When Jesus proclaimed it is complete, it is finished, finished, then that meant that God's wrath had been satisfied. And so all of the shame, all the punishment that you deserved, Jesus had taken it and God took it accepted that sacrifice, and we know that because Jesus was raised from the dead. You were saved also on the day that you called on the name of the Lord, that the day that you made that decision that I'm going to, like Abram, I'm going to follow you, you were saved. Uh, Paul says very clearly that we are being saved day by day by day, Mm -hmm. Uh, that today, as I'm a little bit more like 
Jesus, hopefully, than I was yesterday. I am being saved. In fact, the way that Paul says it, there is no way to translate it into English because it's a it's a verb tense we don't have here. And so it, what he really says is, you are been being saved. That you were saved, you are saved, being saved now, and you're going to be saved. And then in other places, he says, you will be saved on that day. That we are being transformed in, uh, into the image of Christ little by little, but on that day we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All of that to say here, Abram made this decision when he left uh, Ur. He made the decision when he left Haran. And then God sets this down. And, and which one of those was he truly set apart? Well, he was set apart in all of them. And so I usually tell parents that um, God is working in the life of your kid when he's six or she's six. And we nurture that. We, mm-hmm. we take that. Mm-hmm. If they, I look at Stephen mm-hmm. when the, the Ethiopian eunuch looked at him and said, or Philip, and said, what prevents me from being saved? He says, believe. I, what prevents me from being baptized? Mm-hmm. His response is, believe. And so I see nothing biblically holding us back from that eight-year-old, nine-year-old child that, that has made a decision baptizing them. It doesn't mean that when they're 16, they're not going to have a crisis of faith. 21. At 21, they're not going to be sitting in a, a biology class and going, am I really buying what I, I was told? Mm-hmm. Because this person, I was told that only idiots believe that we come from monkeys, but this person that's sitting in front of me is clearly way smarter than mm-hmm. the a preacher. A person who's in a position of authority. And they're, So am I really buying that? And, and when they're 35 and they're, they're, their child is, they're told by a doctor that the child's not going to make it? Mm-hmm. there's going to be multiple times. I'm a 50-year-old pastor, and if you don't think sitting in the hospital thinking that you're going to die brings you to, to a crisis of faith, it, it does. If it, We're still human. And so the reason for the repeat is not for God. The reason why God keeps bringing Abram to the point of I'm seriously making a covenant with you is not because God forgot. God was, hey, now who was who was out of that again? get busy and go back to him, yeah. He's doing this for Abram's sake. He's doing this so that this man who's weak, who probably is saying, was I just drunk when I said that God told me to get up and move all my stuff? Was I Had I lost my ever-loving mind? And as everybody questions him as he goes, you know he's having to stop again, time and again. You know, Sarah or those around him are saying, are you sure? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sarah definitely does that. I mean, Isaac's name is Giggles. Laughter, yeah. <laughs> it mean, because, because Sarah, was, when she was told, hey, Mimo in there is about to have a baby, she's like, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, sure, whatever. And so they had to name the kid Laughter. So, all that to say, as you go through your Christian walk, I, I don't know, and we've talked about this even in this section of the podcast before, it seems like for so long in the church we would bring these people in who would say, um, you know, I, I did all these horrible things and then I got saved and then everything was, was perfect and God removed all my doubts. All my sin. All my sin. I didn't I have any God more desire and now, now I'm... 
And, you know, I mean, even one of the hymns that we sing, and I love Isaac Watts, but and now I'm happy all the day. Uh, and yeah. so there are times when I'm not happy. There are times when I'm, I'm saying, God, are you, am, am I an idiot to have, have walked away from a job and followed you to be a preacher? It, it, was that stupid? Are, are, have I hitched my star to the wrong wagon? Mm-hmm. And without exception in Abram's life and without exception in my life, God gives us those little glimpses. Now, I'm not saying that our faith is a feeling, but I'm saying that God made us emotional. And so there are times when God breaks into our emotion. There are times when it seems like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling because God's trying to teach me, you got to trust me regardless. But we see in Abram's life a grace and a love and a a God that recognizes human frailty. I love that. That and I don't look. There are some uh, secular Christian writers, as weird as that sounds, that say that twelve and fifteen are the same story. It's just being told from by two different authors. Um, no, I, I've needed God on repeat in my life to say, "Hey, seriously, I got you." Yeah, I'm driving home the other night and uh, listening to a sermon on the radio, and it's a man who's preaching, and I, and I like I like his preaching. Have heard him before, but as I'm listening, he's 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 emphasizing um, as he go, as he goes about you know you're saved because you love Jesus, and he's using that word, and he was using it, or my take on it as I'm listening to him is that emotional feeling of I love Jesus, and he was like you're not saved if you don't love Jesus, and he. I don't remember if he used the phrase all the time, but he used something like that, like a constant love for Jesus and all the time of this. And I'm thinking, okay, so now we need to define love and we need to, I want to get your qualifiers on that. Is this, are you expecting me at all times as I'm following after Christ to have that emotional um, high, that camp high, that revival high, that um, for us here, you know, at North Glencoe, we have a jubilee that, you know, we do, and we, we get in there, and you're everybody's praising the Lord, and um, hands are raised. But, you know, there are days when I don't feel that way, when my love for Christ is a commitment that I have made or that a covenant, actually, that he's made with me, that as I go, because I'm going to let go, and I'm going to fail, and I'm going to have the fluctuation of emotion through there. Now, I, I will say for for his sermon, I did get cut off. I, I lost part of it as I was driving. But well, as I was, because you live out in the middle of, I live out. <laughs> but as I, as I went and as we were driving, as I was driving home that night, I thought we have to be so careful in the way we characterize that as we're teaching that and walking through that and looking at biblical truth and what it means to number one love and to realize that even with Abraham, when God is the one who passes through the sacrifice, right, and, and that He's the one that's holding me. And honestly, if my salvation was dependent on me. Even loving, caring, I'm going to hose it up. I'm I'm, I'm messing it up. I think that's why, like, seemingly what we would call, I guess, not not the, the mega church craze, but, like, the emotional mega church craze because that's that's a, that's a thing and that's the foundation that like a lot of other churches build upon is that trending top is yeah. that if we create an atmosphere of 
worship or an atmosphere. Yeah, the Holy of, Spirit can't move if it's a smoke the, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if we don't now again, do we want there? There is some reverence. There is you know yeah. this is this is a I mean you, the worship worship in and of itself is supposed to be a time of of reverence and understanding and a fear of the Lord and those kind of things. Uh, but to say that I mean like you know a couple weeks ago we worshipped. Uh, outside in our back parking lot on on a, a rollback and we ate hot dogs and kids rode around their scooters afterwards and guess what that was worship and i wouldn't exactly call that an atmosphere i mean I, you know like that's just I well I know in, exactly the, what in the terms of of what the the mainstream kind of church you, you create this it becomes much more about an environment and a mindset and a, a an emotional it's, it state. It becomes smoke and mirrors. I mean, it yeah. really does. It's much more about emotional state. And, that's, and all that to be said is that cannot be sustained and that, that cannot and never will be sustaining. And how many times have we seen that mega church model and what happens to it over time yeah. when it's personality driven or uh, uh, driven by a particular trend within the church? We watch what happens. And that's why it's so important that we see time and again that that, um, you know, we use the phrase iron sharpens iron and we talk about fellowship, but being with fellow believers, digging into God's word worshiping together how vital that is to our walk with Christ. And, and I guess megachurch may not be, it's not saying that every megachurch does this, that every megachurch is wrong and do this. It could be a 30-member church True. that does this. I mean, the, the, right. pr- the principle True. of... When I, we, I get what you're saying. When, emotionally focused, it's all about... Uh, I didn't. I just didn't feel the spirit in the room today. Yeah. But I, I trying to think, generate it from and, and something, tr- right? Yeah. And, and I would. I would imagine ninety nine percent of the time, if not a higher percentage of that, because if I didn't feel something, it wasn't somebody else's fault. If I didn't feel some way, or I didn't, I wasn't convicted of something or whatever. It wasn't because the preacher probably didn't do a good job. It wasn't because the worship pastor didn't pick it's out good songs. Because of my relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's because of the hardness of my heart. Like mm-hmm. that's the first place we need to go and discipleship and one on one come or like just life on life and 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 studying God's word. That's the first place I go is to check myself, not blame everybody else for those kind of things. And again, like I said, that whole emotionalism kind of thing, that can't be sustained because eventually it just becomes fake and it becomes a production. And after, and, and, and in terms of what people in the body of Christ walk, take away from that, is it's not sustaining. Like that may get me through a couple hours, but when it's the when it's the when it's the grit, when it's the grind, when it's those crises, those times of crisis of faith and things, like it's not that's that will not sustain you. No, but when it's centered on the Word of God, and I'm sitting in a room, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, a group of women, and we're going women, and we're going through a particular lesson, and we're digging out of God's Word, and we're seeing the truth that is contained, and and how it applies to us, and it changes me. So, you know, recently I'm in a conflict, and um, it, it, it was a it was a difficult situation, and as I'm in the middle of the conflict, and I have been in God's Word, and you slapped the taste out of their mouth. I wanted to, and um, <laughs> but I did. I mean, with my prayers, with my with, with, my, with prayers, my prayers, I was heaping coals. <laughs> you know, we even laughed. I'm gonna take other, a baseball bat to the back of your head in Jesus' name. In Jesus, yeah. but we well, we laughed the other day about you know. I told him I was like I wanted to heap coals on somebody's head, and I don't really think that's the way God intended no, me to use that. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think He wanted me to use that as a weapon. Um, yeah, but I'm gonna no. start flipping tables. <laughs> well, no. What happened was as I was walking to the 
at the place. I was walking there and God got a hold of me and it was, you know, and scripture came to mind and it was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. <sighs> we get to that. I really hate that one. And I, when <laughs> that I, one really When gets... I hit that one, I was like, I, I think there was another one, God, but I'm going to ignore the part about the self-control. I know there was another, you know, as you're describing fruit of the spirit. Um, yeah, as I was going through that and, and it just, it was like a mantra in my head as I was walking um, in the place where the conflict existed and I was like, God, I, I don't want to quit. I don't want to stop. I don't want to. I want to handle I got a lot this. Of really, uh, 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 like, 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 God, hear me out. I got a lot of really good points. I, I, I have some <laughs> very valid points. I have Let me a whiteboard. This for you. <laughs> yeah, so I have a stack of one liners. Just, just hear me out, real yeah. quick. Yes, I could. I, I could. You know, I, I said the other day, I told uh, Ann, Pastor Tom's wife, and I were having a conversation, and I said, you know, my weapon of choice is, is my tongue, and I would love to have taken somebody and um, stripped them down. publicly but it was not my place and then as time elapsed and God began to work in my heart I began to see that I had to trust God Mm -hmm. to handle the situation and um and to realize and what part of that was recognizing my own failure failures in my life that led up to this this point that there were times that I had failed just as this other person had failed and that I had to look at them and realize that I love Jesus more than I look to love to satisfy my own desires at that moment. Mm. Um, well, and, and then that was hard. I, I think that that quest for emotion has created a uh, several generations of really shallow believers. Yeah. And the analogy that I usually use is that of a marriage ceremony. That marriage ceremony is very emotional. It should be. I mean, if you're a guy and your bride walks down the aisle and you don't tear up or at least feel like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe she's marrying me, then you're, you're so probably if you in come the wrong. Along, if, you, if you're there and you kind of meh. Eh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're probably in the wrong spot. Yeah. Um, Both spiritually and physically. That, that level of emotionalism is not, not only is it not, able to be sustained throughout your marriage you don't want it to Mm-mm. my fiance would slap me around if i was all teary-eyed and emotional and stuff all the time i mean and i would even say good lord goodness gracious <laughs> after 30 years of marriage that is probably the the lowest of what really makes a marriage yeah what i mean those nights when you have multiple kids with stomach virus and you all the sheets are dirty, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and nobody wants to do anything other than sleep. And you're laying out newspaper for them to sleep on. Yes, and, and it's... <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> but you and you to. look back on times like that and say, hey, we did this together. And they stayed. They stayed through the ups and downs. They stayed when my health went bad, or they stayed when finances were difficult, or, you know, and we stuck, and we're here together, and we saw it through, and we're coming out on the other side of the pain the process as we go through it and, and then we know that at some point we're going to head back into it right you're we're, we're each other's people there. so yeah. that gives us depth that gives us reality and so now it's like as you go highs and lows it, it seems like it everything's deeper and richer and the lows seem less impactful it's like if, if you know when, when you go in and and the 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 bill says final notice you're like oh okay so Good, because I'm really tired of hearing from you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's everything's not. What I guess what I'm saying is, is if all I'm doing is questing for those emotional highs, what I'm missing is the depths of the impact of life. And and 
I would argue that Jesus even says the same thing. I've heard a hundred sermons about the church from Ephesus where it's taught. Well, Jesus says, return to your first love. Mm. And so this is what the text says. Okay, so it says, I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You have grown, not grown weary, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And we seem to, from there, go and feel the way you feel. Or feel the way you felt in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I've heard it preached a thousand times where that's what is preached. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, um, repent and do the works you did at the first. Now, that would leave us with all kinds of, like, curiosity. And I, I wonder what they did at first, so I should do whatever I did at first. We have the book of Acts, and we know what they did at first. Mm -hmm. And what they did at first was they had a reckless abandon to attack their sin. They took books that were worth thousands of dollars and burnt them because they were drawing them to sin. They, they got rid of all of the things that were pulling them, them into temptation. So they had a reckless abandonment of assaulting their own sin, and they lived in honesty and reality with each other day to day. They were conf the text says they were confessing their sins to each other. They, they were weren't the playing games. Yeah. They weren't coming in and acting like they had it all together. They were saying, dude, I can't tell you, I'm about to get a, a, a feature phone because I can't handle having a device that allows me to go to pornography. They were being real with each other. They weren't playing a game. Yeah. So Jesus is not telling them, don't go back and feel. The way that you show your love for me is by doing what you did. There's no emotion behind doing what you did. But if I, if I really want to show my wife that I love her, it's not me telling her things. It's what I do. If I say that I love you, but my fat can stays on the couch all the time while she runs around and does everything, she's not going to believe me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and coming back all the way to Although where... Although the words are important. They are. Yeah. Coming back to where we started again with Abram, and, and with so many other of these stories that I'm sure we'll go through, like there were moments in all of these people's lives where like their, their trust, their obedience, their, the different characteristics that are, that are so great in, in their pursuit of, of, of what God ha, has called them to and what God has is set before them. I mean, all of those are extremely admirable and things that we should to look to, okay, I want my heart to be, I want my heart to, to model that, that pursuit of God, that pursuit of Jesus. But then there's the times where we see that, that, that they fall and that they mess up. Like, like with, my, with our students, we're preaching through Solomon and, and teaching through Solomon's writing to his son in Proverbs, and, and he's pretty, like this week we were really focusing on a situation with Rehoboam, and uh, and, and as you as you mentioned, as iron sharpens iron, that's the verse that we that's my key verse this week with our students, and I and, and Solomon's writing about how doing like who you go to counsel to, who are, who are your advisors, and who you go to, and in First Kings when Rehoboam is faced like his first big issue, and you know it's these, these slaves come to him and they say, oh, yeah. they they say, hey, you know Solomon, Solomon really worked us pretty hard. Like, could could you ease up a little bit on us, and we'll serve you. We just ease up on us just a tad, and we'll serve you. And he's smart at first, and he the said, old guys giving good good he's, advice. He's yeah. smart at first. He says, okay, hey, give me three days. I'll, I'll I'll have an answer. Come back to me. And we'll talk. I'm like, okay, hey, that's wise. That's smart. You know, take a second. He goes to the elders who would have advised his dad. Who would have advised? I mean, was had had been there for a minute. And they said, hey, you know what? This would give you a chance to really earn some favor in their eyes. To really do a good thing. 
to, to really, to, this probably is the wise thing. And so he hears them, and then he goes to his crew, and then he goes to his he posse. He his, frat, his frat brothers over essentially for all a the pizza people. Night. He's a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the to show them who's the boss. Yeah. 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 You, you know what? You need to you need to put your big boy pants on, and guess what? You go to them and say, "Look, Establish I'll double your I'll man. double your work, and my dad beat you with whips. I'll beat you with barbed whips." And that didn't go over well. He sends one of those buddies to go yeah. be the man in charge of him, and guess what? They do to him. He gone. He's dead. They murder him. And it says Rehoboam <laughs> escapes and flees back to Jerusalem with his, with his life. But not with his kingdom. But not with his kingdom. And on all mm. that to be said, and we could look at which we will do, because every story comes back to this, is there are moments where these individuals are so faithful and are so trusting and are so obedient. And there are days in my life where I look back and I am thankful for, for God putting his spirit in me and putting a calling on my life. And now, again, I say that, and I don't mean a calling to do ministry, just a calling to be a believer and to walk hand in hand with him, to, to do life, A, with other believers, but, or A, with Jesus and other believers. Not everyone has a calling on their life, and the call is to follow Jesus. Because that's what I mean, not just ministry. Right. So we have that in our lives, and I, and I mean, I am thankful for the Holy Spirit's work in my life and for what Jesus is doing. But then there's the days where I, where I, where my iron is dull, where I haven't talked to anybody else, where I'm doing it, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it. But like it is, it's dull. it is like there I'm trying. I am that, right? trying. I am trying to chop tree with a plastic knife. Like it is just not. It's just not happening because I'm dull spiritually, physically, all of these because I'm dull. And, and all of those things come together and show that if I'm not trusting, not in myself, I can't trust myself because left to myself, I'm going to create idols. I'm going to mess it up in, in the muck, in the mire, in, my, in the filth that's in my heart. I'm going to control, try to control if, the circumstances. If I've got to work on that functioning atheism and say, mm-hmm. you know what, God, I cannot do it. I'm going to make this worse. I'm. I am going to. This is something. You, this is something you've called me to, and I'm going to mess it up. And the grace of when God brings us down and, and back to Him. And I've got to. Yeah. I've got to, every day, every hour. I need you. I trust you. And if that's not our mindset, if we have those days where we slip up, then we're 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 go, we're going to have those times where we struggle. We're going to have those times where God's going to take us down and say, "All right, hey, listen. This is what I told you. These are the instructions. These are this is the direction you need to go in. That loving correction. And sometimes that is that is harder than others." Um, but and that's a, kind of what all these stories are going to end up coming back to. Uh, but seeing that in Abram's life and seeing how that can be played out in our lives is something that I know we hope we can take away from all of this. Yeah, more often I identify with the days he's lying about Sarah than I do the one he took <laughs> off and left her. You know, I'm like promised land, shmamas. You know, I'm I'm like, yeah, I get that guy right there. Mm, yes, yes. All right, so uh, we will pick up Abram next week, and uh, this has been not another church podcast. So go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening and go serve your king.